Hey everyone, I'm Portia Flowers. And I'm Cynthia Dorsey. And this is Young, Black, and Brave. Young, Black, and Brave is a new podcast, but most importantly, it's a space where we can critically review cinema and discuss the representation of Black women in film. Black women, of course, have had a place in the film industry for some time now, but we want to take a look at it and talk about what that actually means. When stories are being told, who's included in a storytelling process? Who's centered? Who's supporting? And who's erased completely? These are important conversations to have, we think, particularly as Black women ourselves. Uh, we should be able to critique the media that is reflected back to us, and we're going to try to do just that. It's a new year, new decade, new podcast. We are young, black, and brave. There are a lot of important shifts happening for women in film, and black women should be at the center of these shifts. We should be paid equally and represented authentically. So thank you, Portia, for including me in this discourse. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I just want people to know who you are and where uh-huh. you're coming from, because, you know, we're not just two people talking. I, well, I'm just a person talking, but you actually know what you're <laughs> <No>. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> not true. Well, I'm Cynthia Dorsey. As I said before, I'm from Washington, D.C. I have a extensive background in the performing arts. I started out acting first. That was my first love. And then I went on to develop a strong love for directing. So right now, I direct both stage and film. And I teach as well. I teach theater to elementary school students ages three all the way up to 10 years old and so I am very passionate about this topic for sure as a black woman who is trying to gain strides in the film industry and I'm grateful for this conversation and this opportunity. Portia you have to say something about yourself you have a lot to say too. Well, I my background actually is in science. Nothing that I do for a living has anything to do with pop culture, with film, with the theater, with the arts, nothing. I am just a patron. I enjoy uh, watching film, and I really enjoy mm-hmm. discussing it. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe I, I went into the wrong line of work, perhaps. I don't know. But I really <laughs> enjoy conversations about pop culture and conversations about women and and black people and particularly black women and our representation in the media. Um, And so, you know, full disclosure, Cynthia and I are actually line sisters. Yes, we are. Uh Delta Sigma (laughs) Theta Sorority Incorporated. Incorporated. And so I knew that she had this wonderful background and I thought, you know, this is a conversation that I want to have, and I think this should be had publicly. Um, and she's the only person that I knew that was, you know, that had that that background that that could actually support this conversation and help me. You know, like I said, I don't have 
this background. I just have an interest. Um, so I knew that she would, she would be able to bring her expertise to the table. And I'm, I'm just really grateful that we get a chance to, uh, explore these topics together. Thank you, Portia. Portia's leaving out one great fact about her is that she is a PhD. She's doctor. Portia Flowers. So all of these scholastic thoughts you hear during the podcast is totally her brilliant brain. So give it up for Dr. P. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you. Um, so back to, back to my silly little thinking. So, okay. you know, I'm just, I'm scrolling through Facebook seeing what's going on, looking at the memes mm-hmm. and stuff. And mm-hmm. this article um, passes by my screen and uh, and a bunch of other discussions talking about the film industry. You know, of course, this is the end of the, well, we just finished 2019. This is the beginning of 2020, uh-huh. the decade. So, Man. of course, that brings about, <laughs> <laughs> all these lists, these end of the year and end of the decade lists of what's the best, what's the worst, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. Um, and so I see two things. One, uh, um, talking about female directors in Hollywood. So apparently yeah. 2019 was a really strong year for female directors. Um, just read this statistic. They said, um, 12 of the 113 directors of 2019's top movies were women, which wow. is a record. Which is wow. it's crazy that 12 That's women <laughs> is yeah. considered a record. Yeah. Um, but progress is progress. Progress um, is progress, however, for sure. Mm-hmm. However, we happen to be recording this on the day of the Golden Globe. So um, Mm -hmm. we don't know exactly what the result is yet. However, we do know that female directors, despite having uh, critical acclaim, despite having, you know, top box office numbers, were not represented in the directing category. Women were shut out. Right. And just to kind of bring everyone's um, uh, memory back, you know, there, there are a lot of female directors this past year. Greta Gerwig just released Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, Melina Matsukas directed Queen and Slim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lulu Wang, The Farewell. Um, Olivia Wilde, she had her directorial debut with Booksmart. Uh huh, Booksmart. Yeah, sure did. Um, Hustlers, um, was directed by Lorraine Skiarf. Scarfaria. I knew I was going to Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. Sorry. Um, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood was directed by Marielle Heller. Um, And then, of course, When They See Us, everyone. Of course. The great. Everybody knows about it. Right. Yeah. Um, So, you know, that that's a that's a pretty strong list. And it is appalling to to know that uh, female directors haven't been recognized in the way that a lot of people think that they should. Um, and so, you know, so we started thinking about that. And then the other part of that was this New York Times article by Lawrence Ware, who declared mm-hmm. 2010s as the most important decade for black film. Um, and so he put together a list um, of his top 10 
right. films directed by black people, starring mm-hmm. black people, about black lives. Um, and so that kind of got our conversation going about, um, you know, what what has it been this past year and this past decade when it comes mm-hmm. to female representation and black representation in film? Right. I have to really thank Lawrence Ware for using the New York Times platform to highlight Black lives in movies. I really do. I really appreciate that. Given the information we have about the women of color on that list that you just gave, Portia, who not only created noteworthy films, but those films had a social impact on our culture and our community and for them not to receive their things, you know what I'm saying? Their nominations. It's just, it's really upsetting. So to, you know, have this list speaking our accomplishments, sometimes we just, we're just going to have to give ourselves our things. We can't wait for the Academy or the Golden Globe. We're just going to have to give ourselves our things. So, um, Thank you, Lawrence, for using the New York Times um, as your platform to, to say what we were up to. And the the films on this list, I I like, I pretty much like all of them. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of get it down to 10 because, you know, I'm sure we could easily bump that up to 20 or 30. Um, it's right. It's been a, a really great decade um, for Black representation in film. Um, but yeah, this is a strong list and we can quickly go through that list if you want. Yes, let's do it. Um, the first on the list, I think, is a film that you you really got into. Black Panther. <laughs> yes. Marvel's Black Panther. I think we all got into it. Directed by Ryan Coogler. Yes. Uh, so this is, you know, and, and as we go through the list, you'll see the diversity in the different types of films um, that he thought were uh, representative of Black lives. Um, and so this is a superhero film. We know this is mm-hmm. a, a Marvel movie. Um, yeah. And it came out in 2018, so it's still pretty fresh. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what, what to say about it. I, I saw <laughs> it three times in the theater and several more at home. <laughs> <laughs> really? I was, I was hooked on Black Panther for a minute. <laughs> Did you dress up? Did you dress up in African garb? I wore all black. I chose to okay. go to the theater in all black. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was just so, I, I was enthralled by what I saw on the screen. It was overwhelming. I had never seen anything like that before. Absolutely. Us to get that superhero treatment. You know, it's, it's one of those things you don't, you it you almost don't know that you needed to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just again another film that had a social impact on our community. It was a a time of fellowship. We all gathered together. We all supported the box office numbers, and it was something that we could be proud of. So I believe that. Ryan Coogler did a marvelous job with this um, film. And the film was recognized by the Academy, right? Um, Best costume design, Ruthie Carter. 
best production design, best original score, and then the NAACP, right? NAACP acknowledged the film. Yeah, it got 10 NAACP Image Awards. Um, Mm. So, I mean, it it cleaned up. Um, But yeah, for for this to be a superhero film, a a highly successful film, a lot of times, you know, very commercial, commercially successful films don't necessarily get that recognition, um, that critical acclaim, but this one did. Um, it even got an Oscar nomination for Best Picture, yeah. um, which was the first superhero movie to do so. And it also yeah. became the first uh, Marvel movie to win an Academy Award in those categories that Cynthia just mentioned. Um, so, yeah, it 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 hit that sweet spot um, that it a did. lot of people strive for. Um, and it was so successful, a sequel is scheduled to be released in May 2022. So... This thing's so far away. Get ready to go back to Wakanda. (laughs) Um, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes. The next on the list was Creed. Creed was directed by Ryan Coogler again. That's right. Yeah. So 2015. um, 2015. Actually, Black Panther was only Ryan Coogler's third film that he uh, directed. Um, Creed is his second. Mm-hmm. Rail Station was his first movie. So, I mean, he just came out the gate swinging. Yeah. And so far has not missed. Um, Creed is a sports drama, uh, but mm-hmm. most importantly, it is part of the Rocky franchise. Um, so Rocky, of course, starred, um, Sylvester Stallone. There have been, I believe, six Rocky movies. Yeah. And, um, some time has passed and, uh, actually, Ryan Coogler was one of the writers of the film. He approached Sylvester Stallone with this story um, where he's able to continue the, um, you know, the, the, or expand the Rocky universe um, mm-hmm. by kind of tapping into the Apollo Creed character um, who was played by Carl Weathers back right. in the day. Um, and if right. you are familiar with it, hopefully this is not a spoiler for those who <laughs> have seen. Catch up, catch Rocky. up. Catch up. <laughs> yeah. Rocky Four, I think it was, uh, when Apollo died. And, um, so what, what we didn't know was that Apollo had a son, a son who was, uh, caught up in the foster care system. And so mm-hmm. the widow found him and his name is Adonis Creed. Uh, found him and raised him as her own. And Alicia Rashad. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's played by Felicia Rashad. And yeah. uh, she raised Adonis Creed, who is played by Michael B. Jordan. Yes. Michael and Ryan seem to have a wonderful relationship since Michael is in Black Panther as well. That's right. He's been in all yeah. of his films. He was, yeah. he was the star of Fruitvale Station. He was the star yep. of Creed. And then he also had uh, a, a role in um, Black Panther as Killmonger. Yeah. Fruitvale Station was amazing, too. Kudos to Ryan. could have made this Googler. list, too. <laughs> yeah, it should have, for sure. It was really good. Um, Next on the list is Jordan Peele's Get out 2017 huh. out. 
very different from the previous two. This is a horror movie. Right. Yes. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't do scary movies. Me either. I don't. <laughs> but I will say, when I, w- I went to see it just to support, and I wasn't scared at all. I was angry. I was so mad, which makes me realize that Jordan Peele is actually creating a genre of his own. I wouldn't even say his films belong in the horror category at all. It's definitely making some social commentary and... I'm here for it. I am here for it. I love it. Yeah. This was this was definitely uh uh you know, something completely out of the box. Jordan Peele is known for his comedy and mm-hmm. you know, I, people were kind of thrown off at first. I know I was when I first saw the trailer. I didn't know what to think and of course, like <laughs> I said I don't do scary movies, but it seems so intriguing because you're right. It, yeah. it felt like it was you know, something completely different. It was social commentary. Um, and I thought he did an excellent job. He did. Um, he ended up getting uh, several NAACP image awards, mm-hmm. uh, both mm-hmm. him and Daniel Kaluuya, who was the star of the film. Yeah. Um, and Jordan Peele also walked away with an Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, which is awesome. Yes. Yes. And... And Daniel, he, we won't ever forget his face in those scenes, especially when he was going to the sunken place. We won't ever forget it. That tear going down his face, we won't ever forget it. And I think this was the kickoff to his career as well. Yeah, I mean, it it was iconic. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. This was Jordan Peele's directorial debut, and he managed to create iconic moments you're right like i can see daniel's face right now um yeah you know in terror i you know even certain phrases like the sunken place that has now permeated the culture um right even the the title get out we know what that means when somebody says get out yeah Um, so it's it's amazing how he was able to really um you know put a fine point on on a concept um, that black people go through every day and to even have the audacity to frame that as a horror story. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> The for racism sure. that we face is, is a form of horror. It is. It really is. Uh, next one, the New York Times list is Tiffany Haddish stars in this one. 2017 comedy. Girls Trip. Yeah. This was this was an ensemble cast starring uh Regina Hall, Queen Latifah, Jada Pinkett Smith, and yes. Tiffany Haddish's uh, breakout role yeah. um, as Dina in Girls Trip. They play <laughs> a bunch of girls that go to the Essence Fest. And if you know anything about Essence Fest, you know it was on and popping right from the premise. And I mean Absolutely. It, Again, the diversity of this of this list on the New York Times. This was a broad comedy, laugh out loud, funny, in mm-hmm. the same vein as uh, The Hangover or Bridesmaids, um, but from our unique perspective as Black women. Um, Absolutely. Just, there, there's not enough that I can say um, positive about this film. I I loved it. I loved it. I loved it too. I think. 
it was necessary because you're right, bridesmaids and hangover are full of the white experience. We didn't have such a film um, elevating our experience. So Malcolm D. Lee did a great job directing this piece. And like Lawrence Ware says in his article, Tiffany Haddish steals every scene and supports her co-star as well. She sure did. And because of that, she was honored with the um, Outstanding Supporting Actress Award from the NAACP. Um, and the film also won an Outstanding Motion Picture Award. Yeah. Um, but, you know, of course, we love the NAACP Image Awards. We also would like Tiffany Haddish to have all of the things that she's earned. She mm -hmm. deserves, in my opinion, and in a lot of people's opinion, more nominations, more awards. And actually, Jada Pickett-Smith, her co-star, spoke mm -hmm. out publicly saying just that. She was very disappointed that Tiffany Haddish was not recognized by the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards, um, which I think is very significant. Again, you know, with Girls Trip being... Uh, and a kind of similar um, type of movie to The Hangover or Bridesmaids, the breakout characters in those films were Zach Galifianakis from The Hangover mm -hmm. and Melissa McCarthy yeah. from Bridesmaids. Yeah. And they both were recognized by the Golden Globes and the Oscars yeah. in the form of nominations. So you would think that Tiffany Haddish would as well. So it was very disappointing to see that she was not but also very ironic that those same award shows asked her to present and kind of gave her a nice little prime spotlight to, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to have an extended kind of little bit going on while she um, presented awards. So they knew her talent. They knew her talent well enough to kind of bring in attention and bring in some ratings. That's typically how the entertainment industry is they will use us for our talents but not acknowledge us for them and it's time for that to change it's time for it to change and so I'm grateful for like Jada Pinkett Smith and others who are speaking up about it and actually yeah, exactly. forcing forcing the conversation yeah because you're right mm -hmm. this is typical these are things it's nothing about this is surprising um but I think it's it's time that we stop just kind of accepting it and and really start making a conversation about it. Uh, you know, you, you can no longer um, act in ways that that seem to be biased or seem to be unfair and also have the privilege of, of silence to go along. Right. No, right. That's not that's not how we're doing in in 2020. Nope. Not at all. We are young, black and brave. Let's get it. Next on the list is the 2016 drama Moonlight, directed by Barry Jenkins. I really, I went to see Moonlight at an indie film um, space in D.C. And I was blown away with the cinematography. Um, for those of you who don't know, Moonlight is a story about a black queer boy trying to navigate through space where he is not accepted. So it's very close to reality. Um, Mahershala Ali stars, Javante Rose star in, stars in it, and 
Moonlight won an Oscar. And we should all remember how that Oscar um, announcement was done. Originally, it was announced that La La Land had won. And they made a huge mistake on national television. Oh, that was cringeworthy. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that ended up being Moonlight's Night. They they actually walked away with three Academy Awards, one for Best Adapted Screenplay, one for Supporting Actor, or Mahershala Ali, and then, of course, Best Picture. And I just, I remember where I was when I saw that, and I... (laughs) Just about died <laughs> from second yeah. <laughs> Moonlight became the first film with an all-black cast. Yeah. And also the first LGBTQ-related film to win an Academy Award for Best Picture. So That's amazing. Historical win. That's amazing. And I believe this was Barry Jenkins, his breakout film as well. I believe. I think so. It was I really so. a film. I mean, I... I'll say that I did not know about Barry Jenkins until this this film. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he he definitely made a name for himself with this, and then followed that up with um, "If Bill Street Could Talk," right? Right, which was equally as great. Next on the New York Times list is OJ Made in America, and this is the only documentary which is great to see um, on the list. And it came out in 2006. Directed by Ezra Eldman, who, mm-hmm. uh, fun fact, is the son of Marion Wright Eldman, uh, who is the founder and president of the Children's Defense Fund. So yes. Good stock there. <laughs> <laughs> so this film, actually, it was interesting. I first saw this on television um, Mm-hmm. I think it was on ESPN or Vice or something, but it was yeah, Viceland. Like a, yeah, yeah, Viceland. This is a multi-night. It's a long, like I think it's seven hours total. Um, so mm. it's broken up over several nights. Um, but I guess it also had a theatrical release because it was able to qualify for both the Emmy and the Academy Award and won both. Right. It won Best Documentary Feature um, for the Academy Awards and it won. Outstanding Directing for Nonfiction mm-hmm. Programming. Um, and it also, if that wasn't enough, it won a Peabody Award. Yes. The only and, film and, and on our list. <laughs> yeah, it's the only film on our list that won a Peabody Award. So that's really great. And, and of yeah. course, you know, as the title says, it's about OJ as in OJ Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> You mean I'm not black, I'm OJ? (laughs) That OJ? (laughs) That OJ. That OJ. And so it really goes into depth. I thought it did a great job not only talking about um, the trial, trial of the century, um, talking about his life and the events that led up to that and and what happened after the trial, but also Mm -hmm. doing a a deep dive into um, race in America and the judicial system and and uh, the relationship between black people and the judicial system and, and, you know, what, how, what are the events that led to a situation where a man like OJ Simpson tried for murder um, and be declared not guilty. Right. 
Yeah, and I um, I also think that revisiting these stories is important because as we go down the list, you know, people always are talking about o- OJ. People are always talking about how slave films and films about the civil rights era aren't meaningful and impactful anymore. We already know about that. But every time somebody creates this, these sort of films or documentaries, we learn what stuff we have never even known before. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember the trial of the century. Mm-hmm. Um, he was tried for um, killing his ex-wife, Nicole Brown Simpson, and her companion, Ron Goldman. Um, yeah. I was a teenager. Um, so I, I both knew a lot and there was a lot that I did not know. Um, right. and a lot that the, you know, that the public didn't know. There was so much um, that was uh, revealed in the documentary. Um, so it's important that, uh, like you said, that we revisit that, especially, yeah. you know, there's, there's a bunch of people out here who were, who weren't even born yet, who did not realize. Right. Exactly. Relationship. If they know anything, they may know that, um, uh, one of his lawyers, last name Kardashian, father uh-huh. of Robert Kardashian, <laughs> father of Kim, Chloe, uh, what's the other one? Courtney. Yes. And, and Rob Kardashian. Yeah. So that might be their only way in, but this, you know, it's, it's much bigger than, you know, reality show on E. Mm-hmm. And our children definitely need to know these stories. So. I encourage filmmakers to keep revisiting these stories over decades. It's important. Next on the list is Selma, which came out in 2014. It was directed by the one, the only, Ava DuVernay. Based on the March to Selma. Yeah, and again, Mm -hmm. the same thing that you just finished talking about how it's important that we revisit these uh stories that we revisit um you know these historical events um, yeah things that we think that we know a lot of people think that they know everything that they need to know about martin luther king or the right. civil rights movement or even the, the actual uh march to selma but um you know what was i thought was so fascinating about this film is that Although Martin Luther King was was the lead character, um, they really, I thought, did a good, or Ava DuVernay did a great job of giving a spotlight to all the different leaders um, that were surrounding him, giving giving a moment to um, Malcolm X, giving a moment to Andrew Andrew Young, to um, Amelia Boynton Boynton, uh, Robinson, John Lewis, Hosea Williams. Diane, yeah. there's so many civil Freddie rights Gray. leaders out there that, yeah. that, you know, many people do not know about. Even just recognizing the leadership in Coretta Scott King, she was more than just Mrs. Yeah. King. She was her own person who was very active in the movement as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated um, just kind of seeing that collective um, work that everybody did to participate um, and and really trying to uh, you know move this country forward, not just right with the, with the black people, but really shaping 
and reshaping um, this country and its values and to even, you know, for it to come out in 2014 at a time when, um, you know, the, the, a lot of conversation was was still building when it comes to Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is this is in the wake of that. Um, yeah, and we're still in the thick of that today. So it's it's important to be able to uh, make those connections and understand that it, you know it's it's some it we may call it a different name. We may not call it the civil rights movement today, but a lot of the same things that they were fighting for, we're still fighting. for. Absolutely. I also was really into Ava's highlighting of the role of women in the civil rights movement, which we often overlook, right? We're not really taught. We're taught about our male leaders, but she highlighted Mahalia Jackson and Richie Jean Jackson and Annie Lee Cooper. And so I'm really grateful that she did that because we can use this body of work to teach our children about men and women. Like we both have a role in the movement, not just men. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so Selma, uh, it was very popular. I remember at the time a lot of people were talking about it, but it also um, uh, received a number of awards. Um, especially mm-hmm. for original song, uh, John Legend and Common wrote Glory. Yes, yes. Uh, they won the Golden Globe for Best Original Song and uh, the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. It also, the movie also won several uh, NAACP Image Awards, and Ava DuVernay became the first Black woman nominated for an Academy Award in the category of Best Director. Yes, get your things, Ava. Give her all of her things, okay? <laughs> all of them, every last one of them. I think what also is interesting in the article is that where says the director, Ava DuVernay's decision to include discussions about King's infidelity was an act of courage the choice of a new filmmaker with bold ideas. And I couldn't agree more. When we learn about Dr. King, we often learn about his successes, right? We don't learn about him as a human who made human mistakes. And I think it's important for us to talk about the mistakes our heroes made so that we, as well as our children, can have a solid ground on the fact that no matter if you make a mistake, you can still be a game changer. You can still be a leader. You can still impact nations, even though, you know, infidelity is infidelity. But, you know, that's another that's another topic. But it was nice to see uh, Dr. King in a... You know, in human form, not just a romanticized form. Next on the list is Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You came out in 2018, directed by Boots Riley. Right, yeah, this was Boots Riley's directorial debut. Yeah. Um, 
bit surreal fantasy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it also, you know, there, there were parts, I'm, I'm going to be transparent. There are parts of the movie that I was just like, I don't get it. <laughs> I, don't, I still don't. It's been what, we're two years out from the theater on this one, and I still don't understand it. <laughs> like, I just. But, but <laughs> I will say it, it did um, have some, some really interesting things to say. I thought it was, it was a very creative film about mm-hmm. uh, capitalism. And, For sure. And, and about race and, and code switching. And, and right. Like this iconic scene, I think, um, or probably several scenes where you see uh, some of the black people switching their voices, changing their voices um, to yeah. a more palatable um, <laughs> kind of voice, a white mm-hmm. voice. Yes. And, and actually those actors were, uh, their voices were dubbed over by white people. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're actually dubbed over by white people. I think, um, oh, Patton Oswald, I think, did the voice for Amari Hardwick. Ah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So it's, it's, it was surreal, but also it was just like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> code switching that people of color have to do in order to, you know, move around, maneuver in different spaces. Um, oh, yeah. And we forgot to mention Lakeith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, Jermaine yeah. Fowler, Amari Hardwick. Terry Crews, um, yeah. Danny Glover were all in this film. So it was a strong, strong cast. It really was a strong cast. It really was. Um, in the article where writes, this is a bebop jazz film that feels as if Riley made it while in an ecstatic religious state. <laughs> what do you think about that statement? I mean, you know, it's it's descriptive. <laughs> it's it's one way to describe the film. I, but you know, again, I appreciate that 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 it has made its way onto this list because I think yeah. part of it is to also show the variety. Yes, for sure. Film that have been able to get out there. You know, this I'm. Certainly, this Sorry to Bother You is not the, the only, the first film that's kind of off the beaten path. Um, mm-hmm. But for it to get the level of recognition that it got, um, I mean, you know, the the start, I remember, who was it, Amari Hardwick and maybe Lakeith Stanfield, I think, um, and Terry Crews went to the Breakfast Club to promote Yes, I remember that. Speaking yep. of Charlemagne and them, like you know, that <laughs> at one point in time that would have never happened. Right, right exactly. Is arguably, you know, one of the biggest platforms to go to if you want to promote your your work. So, um, yeah, so so kudos to Boots Riley and sorry to bother you, and and we'll, I'm sure there's more to come. I think ecstatic religious state is code for drugs. <laughs> That's what I think, because you gotta be high in a different place to understand what is going on for me. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, next on the list is Spider Man into the Spider Verse, which came out in 2018, directed by Bob 
Parachetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rotham, Rothman. This was an animated superhero movie. Um, again, diversity on this list. Um, and, I mean, this movie, if it's unlike anything we've ever seen before. It was uh, a commercial success, a yeah. critical success. I mean, I remember watching it and just being blown away by the animation. It felt like it was a, a cartoon slash yeah. CGI slash comic book come to life. I mean, right. It felt 3D, even though you, you didn't it have did. glasses. Yeah. It was just, it was amazing. It was a, an amazing visual. Um, and I'm sure people way more knowledgeable than me could probably talk more about the technical um, advancements that, that were... Um, that contributed to this type of film, but, mm -hmm. you know, more to our conversation, this again counts as uh, an important film discussing black lives because at the center of it is Spider-Man, but not Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Right. Right. This is a different Spider-Man. This is Miles Morales, who is a teenager in New York city, um, Afro Latino descent. Um, and, I mean, how many times have you seen a character like this in animated mm -hmm. space where you see a kid just kind of code switching? He's, you know, talking a certain way, acting a certain way with his friends in the neighborhood, and then picking right. it up when he goes to his school, um, right. you know, speaking English and then switching to Spanish when he's talking to his mother. And, right. you know, it was something that I'm sure so many kids um, who live in New York City or in urban areas were able to relate to, but what was also awesome is knowing that there's a lot of young people who watched that film who knew nothing about that life, but were able to still find, um, see themselves in mm -hmm. a character like Miles Morales. Right. It was so dope. I, I loved the animation. I loved how Miles Morales looked. I loved the implications of hip hop and you know, just walking the streets of New York City, how he dressed, his what he listened to. It was just brilliant. It was brilliant. And it, you're right. Like, our kids can connect to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, it was a commercial success. Uh, it also was recognized uh, by several award shows. It won Best Animated Feature uh, from the... Uh, with Academy Award Best Animated Feature, it also won the Golden Globe in the category of Best Animated Feature Film, and it also yeah. won three NAACP Image Awards um, as well. And with that Academy Award win, Peter Ramsey became the first Black person to be nominated and to win an Academy Award in the animated feature. Category. Come on, Peter! Yes, yes, Peter. Congratulations. I love it. Last on the list is 12 Years a Slave. Came out in 2013, directed by the one, the only Steve McQueen. Yes. This film, oof, yes. It definitely Man. deserves to be on this list for sure. Um, mm hmm it says it right there, 12 Years a Slave. It's a movie about, actually, it's an adaptation 
of the autobiography written by Solomon Northup about his time as you know, in, in slavery uh, for mm-hmm. 12 years. He was a free man and he was abducted and, uh, and sold into slavery uh, yeah. in the South. Uh, and uh, it, so the title character, I'm sorry, not the title character, but Solomon Northup was played by Chiwetel Ejiofor. Um, mm-hmm. And he did an amazing job. Stephen King he really did. Job, uh, with this yeah. film. If, you know, again, going back to what you were saying earlier, how it's important that we revisit um, certain themes or we revisit certain historical moments or events um, so that we don't forget. Especially yeah. when you're talking about slavery, again, people, it, it's easy to be jaded and to think that you know all that there is to know about slavery or, you know, you've seen a, you've seen one, you've seen them all. Right. Yada, yada, yada. But um, this is not a is, story we hear. We've heard. We haven't, when we learn about slavery, we don't learn about um, slavery in the sense that, because once you're free, right, you've gone to the North. You've started your life, and then that usually ends the movie. In our history books, that usually ends, right? Nothing ever is said about the slaves that were taken from the North and put back into slavery. That's not a story we hear. And so that's why this story is so important, because we're learning something new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve McQueen talked about how he, you know, found this book and, he had no idea. He had no idea. I certainly didn't mm-hmm. know about it until I had heard about the the movie. The book had been around for a long time, um, but he was in shock that you know again something. You're right. This this is a story that that really isn't talked about. This perspective where it's a free man who loses his freedom and yeah. into slavery, and then you know the events, what what he had to do to to get back to his family. Everything that he knows, um, right? And, you know, I again, I appreciated this film because it was eye-opening. Again, it's a you know, yeah, definitely. But I mean, the the opening scene where you see Solomon in his uh, you know, his bedroom, I guess, asleep, mm-hmm. and the mistress of the house. Oh my God! Yes, and you know, sexually assaults him. I never, yes. you know, when you think about the atrocities that were um, inflicted upon um, slaves, and especially when you think about sexual assault, um, yeah. usually you think about women, uh, women who were enslaved, who were assaulted mm-hmm. by the male slave masters, but you never think about um, the actions that were done to uh, male slaves and, and the actions that were done by uh, female slave masters. Um, and so, you know, just that, the, the horror on his face as she took his hand and put his hand all over her body. Right. Um, oh, my God. You know, that was that was just a, a huge wake-up call and a change yeah. to the system. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and also just a, a big reminder to all of us that everyone participated in slavery, you know. Everyone. When, when people think about... Um, the white people who participated in slavery is usually white men um, Mm -hmm. that we think of, but white Mm -hmm. women were not just complicit. um, They were active participants in this. And 
you know, yeah. sense. when we talk about who needs to actively participate in, uh, you know, righting wrongs and, and, and still dealing with the legacy of slavery, all hands have to be on deck because all hands mm-hmm. are on deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. This film also gifted us with Lupita Nyong'o. Such a gift, such a gift to the film industry. Yeah, I think this may have been her debut. If not, it certainly was her breakout role. Right. Besides the the heaviness of the story, one of the things that sticks out to me whenever I think about 12 Years a Slave is Lupita Nyong'o's, you know, award season. She was, Mm -hmm. she was ready. I don't know. Ready. She had a team ready. She had a new look every time she showed up to an award show to pick up her award. She was getting everything culminating in that beautiful, you know, light blue dress with the headband at the Academy Awards. Iconic look. And that's that's the thing. Like, as a dark-skinned Black woman, seeing another dark-skinned Black woman wear every color of the rainbow that year on the red cup carpet was, it changed me. It changed me just watching that. And I, in my 30s, you know what I'm saying? Imagine what it's doing for a five-year-old child. This is why we need we need to see our likeness. We need to see it so that we can be replenished and motivated, you know? Yeah, representation matters. I mean Yes, absolutely. It does. It really does. Um, last thing I just wanted to mention with Twelve Years a Slave, um, it won a Golden Globe for Best Picture in the drama category. Uh-huh. Four NAACP Image Awards. And also won three Oscars, including, again, Best Supporting Actress for Lupita, um, Best Adapted Screenplay, going to John Ridley, and Best Picture, um, which made Steve McQueen the first yes. black director to yes. direct the Best Picture winning film, and also the first black producer to win a Best Picture Oscar. So the best, uh, so the producers of the films received the um, award for Best Picture. So yeah, made history. All right, that concludes the New York Times list. If you guys out there have a film that you feel like should be on this list, please let us know about it. You can email us at youngblackandbrave at gmail.com and we will talk about your film for sure and add it to the list because I'm sure there are so many we saw this over the decades that should be here. On Young, Black, and Brave, we will feature up-and-coming Black female artists forging through the music game. Every great film has a music score that, too, tells a story. Black women should also be at the center of scoring, just as they are. should be at the center of directing, acting, writing, shooting, casting, and producing films. So why not highlight our Black queens who are standing on top of their thrones, busting through glass ceilings? 
Our first feature today is hip hop MC, actress, and poet Dior Ashley Brown. Dior hails from Washington, D.C. Take a listen to her debut hit single, Vernacular Red and Blue. Huh. Ha, there's a war in the feeling, they ain't keeping it real. They think it's easy to peel just cause they flipping those bills. The only vote is for kill, but if I trump it'll cost. We already walking dead in the land of the laws. I've been taking it way back, say Jack. Be my own wicked woman on the track. Why you twerking in the trap? I'm gonna get them plaques. Yeah, my mind is all them racks. I'm just thinking loosely facts. Go and get that contact with your loose leaf, leaf. Leaning on the wall with your bathroom pad. Need a Wonder Woman in your life, how fast? I'm gonna tell the truth, but you puff up past. Speak my vernacular. Speak my vernacular. Speak my vernacular. She back, huh? For unlawful carnal knowledge, I'm wedged into worry while they suck in hurry. I'm just skating, do my derby, watch these cameras all pervert me. Won't respect my name and dirt me, but I woke up early. Even when I'm numb, numb, late, I'm applesauce and frosting the cake. Bake your plate, a while they ingenuities ace. I'm planning an escape with the save the world 10.8. Love potion number nine, fine dine. I want a piece of American pie lie under pudding pop shop that I ate the chocolate up. Why they sell me calories? my vernacular yeah i love oh my gosh i love this song that was dior ashley brown and her hit single vernacular you can find her music on all streaming sites soundcloud itunes all of them check her out and support our upcoming black female art all right 
So, uh... This podcast is here, again, to make space for conversations about uh, Black women in film, Mm -hmm. Um, but not just to discuss them, but to also kind of analyze them and to even just measure, are they, are they even there? Right. Just a basic measurement, are Black women represented? And if so, what's the quality of their representation? Right. Um, And so... uh, we decided to create a test. Um, there's actually, when I did a little research, there's a lot of tests out there that measure representation of people or different identities mm-hmm. in film. Um, but we couldn't quite find uh, something that specifically uh, looks at Black uh, female characters. So uh, inspired by several other tests, we decided to create our own, um, and we are calling that the Dorsey Flowers Test. Flowers Test. <laughs> yes. Um, so this test is heavily inspired by the Bechtel-Wallace Test, um, which was created by Allison Bechtel and Liz Wallace, mm-hmm. and that measure that measures uh, female representation in film, um, and also the Dukan Test. D-U-K-A-N, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And that was created by M. Osley Dukan. I, again, I hope I pronounced their name right. I apologize. Um, and that measures the quality of uh, Black characters in film. And the DuVernay test, which was created by Manola uh, Darges. Mm-hmm. Um, and that measures the, I guess, quantity of uh black characters in film do they exist yeah um and so taking all of that into consideration we decided to create our own um and it's a two-step process and i'll walk you through it so all right step one (laughs) step one uh regardless of age sexual orientation trans identity disability religion or nationality Mm -hmm. um whether in live action or animated films, characters who count as black and female are characters who, A, identify or are identified as female human beings Mm -hmm. and identify or are identified as black human beings. So again, we want the emphasis to be on Black people, female people, not animals. So that, you know, so for instance, uh, the Lion King would be out of contention. So Nala. Unfortunately. Out of contention, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Unfortunately, Beyonce as Nala does not count as black female representation. All right. Don't (laughs) beehive. No offense, but no. Um, so that's, that's two. And also we want the characters these black female characters to be not to be portrayed by those who are not black and who are not female. Mm, Lord. So that means that (laughs) we love Tyler Perry, but Medea does not count. Okay. Martin, big mama's house does not count. Does not count. I'm so sorry. Um, (laughs) But we are looking for black female characters who are portrayed by black female actresses. 
Absolutely. Yes. Um, so that's step one. Step one. Step two. Right. <laughs> Again, this is the academic coming out in me. She told you I got a PhD. So <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so so just bear with us here. All right. So we got eight steps to step two or eight parts okay. to step two. Um, first, are there at least two named black female characters? Two. Do they talk to each name. other? Name. Name. Right? Right. That's right. They have to have a name. Yeah. Can't just be just somebody, an extra. Um, <laughs> two. Do they talk to each other? Mm-hmm. Three, do they talk to each other about something other than a male or a non-black female character? So if all they're doing is just talking to each other about a man or all they're doing is just talking about, you know, a white person, that doesn't count. Uh, mm -hmm. Four. That's four. Um, is a black female character primary in the movie? Five. Does this black female character have the ability to make her own choices. Mm. Six, seven. Oof. Does the black female character appear as a stereotype? Mm. And eight, does the black female character have historical, political, or social relevance? So again, we're looking to see, is there representation and what is the quality of that representation? Right. And so... With that, we have a scoring system. For every uh, question, there's one point attached to it. So there's okay. a total of eight points. Um, and we have a, uh, a pass-fail system. If you're able to answer yes to all eight of the questions, you have eight points and you pass with flying colors. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, six to seven points, you pass with minor corrections. Four to five points passed with major corrections and zero to three points. You failed the da, Dorsey da, da, Flowers da. test. <laughs> oh. Okay, so. It, you know, and, and again, I just want to emphasize it's a lot of steps, but really what this is, is it's trying to create the conversation and just bring awareness to the presence or the lack of the presence of, of black female characters right. in the film. So if it doesn't pass our test, that's, you know, that's not to say that the, that the film is trash. It right. just doesn't pass our test. There are a lot of great films out there, but even the great ones don't lift black women as they should be lifted. But it doesn't change the fact that that's not a, you know, great film. Yeah, there's a lot of films out there, again, you know, that are female led cast or, you know, have female directors. And so they're, they're, you know, uh, placed with this, this title of, oh, this is a female film. This is a, a, a female centric film. Well, right. let's interrogate that. Who are the, who are the women that are at the center of that story? Do they include Absolutely. black women? Or, you know, again, when you look at this list, um, this New York Times list that we just went over, these 10 films, they, according to Lawrence Ware, they're the most important films, um, in the past decade representing mm -hmm. black lives. Mm -hmm. But, you know, upon further, um, reflection, 
do they actually reflect all black lives? And that right. includes black women. Black um, women you know, for instance, are a part of black lives. We are. Yes. And yes. for instance, one of the film, only one of the films was directed by a black woman. That was Selma, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. directed by Ava DuVernay. Um, so just one out of 10 films had a black woman um, at the helm. So, you know, we cannot take for granted that every story is going to reflect the black female experience. Yeah. Um, so with that said, we just want to take one of those films from that list as an example, just to kind of show you guys what we're talking about with the Dorsey Flowers test. Okay, so I'm ready to do the Dorsey Flowers test on one of these films that were was on the New York Times list. So which film should we do? Uh, I think, let's see. How about Get Out? All right, Get Out. Okay, just to recap on the plot summary, Get Out stars Daniel Kaluuya. He plays Chris. Chris and his girlfriend Rose go upstate to visit her parents for the weekend. At first, Chris reads that the family is overly accommodating and is nervous dealing with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries lead him to the truth that he never could have imagined. And we all know what that truth was. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, let's run it through our test. Okay, so step one. Um, Are there characters who are both female and black Mm -hmm. and are portrayed by black female actors? Yes, there are two black female characters in this film. Uh, you have Georgina in the film, and she is Rose's parents' maid. And then you have Erica Alexander, who is trying to figure out what is going on. <laughs> she plays the detective, Detective Latoya. I mean, so, yeah. did she really? Because I remember uh, Lil Rel Howry's character went to her, and she just kind of blew him off, right? Right. Sure did. <laughs> Sure did. She so didn't quite get it, and so he had to go. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. right, yeah. <laughs> go get your friend, uh-huh. all right? <laughs> so, yes, two okay. black female characters in Get Out, yes. Yes, okay, so past step one. Step two, Whew. let's see. Mm-hmm. Are, there, are the black female characters named? Are there at least two black female characters who are named? Yes, Yes. we know Detective Lazoya and Georgina. Yep. Yes. Do they talk to each other? I wish, I I wish (laughs) Detective Lazoya could talk to Georgina. She needs, Georgina needs a sister to help her. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, Oh my God. But no, they were not in the same scene. They did not speak to each other. Um, okay. So then the next one. Uh, do they talk to each other about something other than a man or a non-black female character? That's also a no, because they don't even talk to each other. Right, right. 
Okay. But that's okay. We're still plugging away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the next question is, is there a black female character in the movie who is primary to the story? There is not. There is not a black. So. Those were two supporting roles. They were not primary to the story. Uh, I wanted to make a, a argument for Georgina being primary to the story, but okay, um, she is she is a supporting character. You're right, right. But she's so pivotal to, I think the story. Like I think her um, that scene with her and um, and Chris, where she's like, you know, another iconic scene where she's just crying mm-hmm. and saying, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no, no. I feel like that's a turning point, but that doesn't necessarily mean that her character is primary, I guess. Right. And I, I look at it this way. If we took Georgina out of the film, could the film still exist? Because there were other characters similar like to that where Lakeith, his character telling him to get out and his nose bleeding and then you had, I forget, the other character that just took off running. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I forget uh, what that character's name was. Walter. But, yeah, Walter. And those were two very good examples of the Black people in that town that were affected by Missy and Dean. So... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that Georgina's role is primary, although I absolutely agree with you that it was the, the moments between that, um, Chris and Georgina shared were important to the structure of the film. But if she wasn't in it, then it wouldn't change the course. Yeah. Okay, uh, so that's a no. Uh, okay. The fifth question is, does a black female character have the ability to make her own choices? Nope. Well, Georgina is certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Detective Latoya, Detective Latoya has the um, ability to make her own choices. Yeah, she chose not yeah. to believe uh, the L'Oreal. Laurel, <laughs> Rod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. TSA. <laughs> so I'm going to say yeah. yes. Uh, okay. She did have a. Uh, okay. Let's see. Survival. Does a black female character live until the end of the film? From what we can tell. I mean, um, Detective Latoya lived, right? Yeah. From what we can tell, Detective Latoya lived. Georgina, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah. Next question. Does a fl- black female character appear as a stereotype? Uh, no. I don't think so. Yeah, Do I don't think I don't think a typical stereotype. No. Uh, no, I don't. Because no. I yeah. mean, you know. Uh, Detective Latoya, she, I think she did what probably any, any, uh, person would do in that position. If, if somebody mm-hmm. came to them 
said, you know, they're snatching bodies, basically. I think you need to come down here. They probably right. think that you were crazy. Right. So the fact that she didn't necessarily, you know, she didn't believe him and she didn't come to his aid. I think that's believable. And there's mm-hmm. nothing stereotypical about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in a negative sense. And Georgina, I wouldn't say that she was stereotypical either. She's unique, but yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want to push it a little bit and say, you know, the fact that she was a maid in a white household, and yeah, and I guess like docile. Ooh, that's an interesting take. Yeah. Yeah, to, to be put in. So, yeah, so this is what complicates it because, you know, the character of Georgina, if you, if you watch the film, her body was taken over by, you know, this white person. Right. She's, she's hidden inside her own body and right. she's turned into, you know, this, this servant. She's a maid mm-hmm. in their house. Mm-hmm. Um, against her will. Um, and so, yeah, she's not a stereotype, but she's kind of forced to be in a way as the right. maid. Yeah, right. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's, are we saying that Latoya, Detective Latoya definitely did not appear as stereotypical? But Georgina did. Is that what I was saying? I would, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. it's a reluctant yes for a stereotype with Georgina. Okay. Because I, 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 I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't want, you don't want to be nobody. You feel bad about <laughs> what actually happened in this story. You can't. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Last question. Does the black female character have historical, political, or social relevance? Hmm. I mean, I would say, yeah. Are you talking about the film as a whole, or are you just talking about the character? The character of Georgina. In what way? Um, so I think the, I think she represents, she represents, so first of all, there's so few black women in the movie. Um, you know, we really have to just focus on Georgina and Detective Latoya, who may have mm-hmm. been, Detective Latoya, I think was only there for maybe one scene. Right. Um, so we're kind of, we're, we're really trying to grasp at straws here a little bit. Um, yes. Georgina is a huge stand in for black women. Um, because we're kind of seeing what it's like when a black woman is, is, uh, kind of taken over by these white people. We see, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, Daniel Kaluuya's character and the attempt to take over his mind. And we get to kind of see a bit more of, of his inner life. We see the result of what happens when, um, other black men have been taken control of in the character mm-hmm. of Marcus. And in um, Keith Stanfield's uh, character mm-hmm. as well, um, so she's the only. Georgina's the 
only one that we see that is a black woman in right. that space. And she, and we see her again in that scene where she's, you know, the tears are coming down and she's saying no. And that's an act of resistance. Mm-hmm. It's confusing, but you can, but you finally realize the no's are coming from, or no, I, I think the tears were coming from her. Right. Absolutely. So, you, know, you, you can tell that she's struggling. She's, she's trying to get out. She's trying to give him that warning. She's trying to tell him something is wrong. Um, and I just found that to be very powerful. The, you know, seeing a black woman in kind of a subservient role, but still, you know, finding all the strength that she can muster to, to give out a cry for help to throw out. Agreed. How many times, like as black women, are we forced to smile through our pain? Yes. And I think that that, yes, you're right. It's extremely socially relevant, that character and what was going on with her, which is more. It, it, it proves that Jordan Peele has just created this social thriller sort of genre for himself as a filmmaker. All right, I think it's time to score it. How did okay. it do? What do you think? So let's see. One, uh, two, three, four. Oh. Five? Oh, wow, I'm shocked. Okay. <laughs> So it got five points. So get out passes with major correction. So what would you say you would add to this film to strengthen its score? Um, well, off the bat, I would like to see black female characters who talk to each other. They have to be in yeah. the same scene. Mm hmm. That would strengthen it. Um, yeah. And uh, I think to have them, well, I guess, and, and probably there would need to be more than just two black female characters to increase the odds of them talking to each other. Absolutely. Um, uh, because I remember I thought I was mistaken. I thought that there were three black women because I was counting Chris's mother. Um as a third uh, black female character. Right. And we never see her. Not visible. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I, think that whole, I, I was there. like, I was yelling at the screen. Where are his parents? His parents. <laughs> yelling. Like I was so infuriated, but you're right. Like just having female characters with strength and um, get out score. For sure, black female again, characters. It's, but it's okay. You know, it's, uh, we're saying that we would like to see more black female, or, you know, it would be to have a stronger score with our test. We would need to see more black female characters, but that's not to say that the film is, is bad. I think there's strength in, in kind of focusing on the experience of this black male. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and his relationship to other black men that he's seeing around him and then his friend who's, who's trying to, 
to get him out. Um, so, you know, that's, I think that there's power in having more of a black male, um, story. Yeah. But, For sure. But still. <laughs> Just like we said earlier, the black experience includes women too. So we have to always be reminded of that. Really interesting to see a, to see a film like Get Out told from a black female perspective. Oh man. Yes. Absolutely. And I also would love to know Georgina's backstory. I would love to. Yes. I was very intrigued by her character. Yes. I, you know, and yeah. I really was, I was thinking, okay, I wonder if this was Rose's MO. Does she, does she kind of seduce these black men and, and start dating mm. them and bring them home to, to change them? Um, and if so, then how did she bring Georgina home? Were they friends? Were they lovers? Like how, how did that happen? Yeah. Seemed like she was the recruiter in a way. Mm. Yeah. She was, I mean, after she thought her parents had Chris, she was ready to move on to the next, like she was ready to move on up out of there. <laughs> right. Yes. Oh God. Searching online. So disgusting. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. I commend Jordan Peele for this film. It definitely made my list for the one of the top films of the previous decade for sure. Absolutely. Um so yeah, so that's that's the Dorsey Flowers test. That's how it works. Um every episode hopefully we'll be able to um go through different films and discuss them, analyze them and run them through our test to see, you know, what's the quality of black female representation in these films. Um, yes. It's just to, to start the conversation. Yes. We definitely want to add your opinion to the conversation. So if you have any thoughts about the test, things you would add, your opinion on Get Out or other films, Send us an email with your thoughts to youngblackbrave at gmail.com. Again, youngblackbrave at gmail.com. So please follow us on uh, social media at Young Black and Brave on Instagram and Facebook for updates and surprises. Ooh, I love a good surprise. Next week, we are going to review, drumroll please, Queen and Slim. Yes, we are going to review it. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Get excited, Portia. <laughs> no, I am looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. And it's the Portia has mixed feelings about Queen and Slim. Yes. Oh yeah, mixed feelings, which is good. I'm I'm glad that we have a film that we can really we can really have a, a strong conversation in. So absolutely. So help us spread the word because everybody's invited to the cookout. Not everybody, no. <laughs> everybody ain't invited. I don't send out invitations. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> 
We'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, stay brave. I don't want to end on that negative note. Oh, you don't? I feel bad. <laughs> wow, it was funny. It was so funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, all, all right. right.